0: Bringing you key insights, tips, and advice from the brightest minds in the Canadian franchising industry. This is the Franchise Canada Chats Podcast. Welcome back to the Franchise Canada Chats Podcast. I'm your co host, Tricia. And I'm Kristen. And today
1: we're speaking with Don Mucci, the CEO and founder of LiceSquad.com, one of the largest lice removal organizations in North America. Their team of head lice experts are committed to helping communities be lice-free by using all-natural, organic products.
0: In this interview, we cover topics like the most rewarding part about being a franchisee and a franchisor, why women really make great franchisees, the reality of what it's like owning your own business, and a whole lot more. So without further ado, here's our episode with Don Mucci. Hi Don. how are you doing? Very well, thank you. All right. so let's just dive right in. Tell us about LifeSquad.com.
2: LifeSquad.com was started back in 2001 by myself after I went through a pretty traumatic experience with head lice and um, went looking for help and saw that there wasn't really anything out there and as an entrepreneur I saw a problem that needs to be solved, so I, I, in in essence, made it my mission to go out and to find a, a really safe and natural, eco-friendly way to deal with it, mm-hmm. and I, I did, and I decided I was going to franchise the concept when a woman from Sudbury called and asked if she could buy a franchise. Mm-hmm.
1: And you said that you had a traumatic experience. Can can we talk about more about that, or is that more of a private thing?
2: No, absolutely. As a child, I used to get lice quite a bit, and I, I was mm-hmm. traumatized by it and teased quite brutally. However, it was because I was a social child and I had very long, thick, clean hair. Um, looking back now, I know that, but in the days of uh, getting it, I, I, I didn't, and I felt very bad about it. When when I got it again as a young mother, I went back to that negative headspace, and mm. and it was something I didn't feel comfortable with, and I thought, I don't think anyone should feel this way about having head life. I think, you know, people should know it's, it's a common human condition, it affects People with clean hair you know long hair so I you know I wanted to make part of my mission to start to to stop the stigma associated with head lice and to stop the overuse and abuse of pesticides on children and our environment and that that was our core mission from the start of the company Mm
1: -hmm. and how are do your products differ from say something that you could purchase in the store to get rid of head lice
2: a lot of products are based with chemicals and, and pesticides or synthetic versions of uh, pesticide. and um, I didn't want to use that on my children and mm-hmm. also I had enough of it used on me as a child to know that it was very harsh and uh, not very comfortable. I wanted to find more safer and eco-friendly ways of, of cleansing lice out of the hair and I turned to natural occurring things such as enzymatic products and mineral-based products as as a, a, a cleansing agent to help remove the
0: eggs and the lice from the hair. And so how did you get this business up and running?
2: Blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot of headaches. I, I have to tell you, I had no, no formal business education. In fact, I actually had to drop out of high school because I was experienced experiencing extreme anxiety from a childhood trauma so I didn't have a background in business I've always been entrepreneurial as a child I used to do the lemonade stands and I could tell you some funny stories of a couple of little businesses I started with um, because I was so entrepreneurial and back then people didn't recognize entrepreneurial traits so you were called the troubled child or the you know the, 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 the class clown because you're distracted all the time and so for me, I was I was labeled negatively, and I never realized I was an entrepreneur until I was older. But looking back, I remember always looking for opportunities. I do lemonade stands. I wasn't rich growing up, so I had to find a way to make money. And I'll tell you a funny story, and I was way before my time on this. My father was a hippie. He was <laughs> a, you know, biker hippie. And, you know, back in the day, he'd have a lot of people coming over and, you know, playing guitar, and they'd be smoking their their funny tobacco, and, you know, we'd have Joni Mitchell come and play guitar, and it was a great, you know, back in New York so hippie day thing, and as a little girl, I'd watch my dad, and his friends would come, and they, he, he would, you know, uh, they would, he'd give them little bags of green stuff, and they would <laughs> give him money, and I watched this go on for some time, <laughs> as a child, uh, an entrepreneurial mind, I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting, so instead of my regular lemonade stand, I actually... Set up my little box. We lived above, on a, at a flat above a record store in Toronto on a busy street. So, you know, I, I'd have my box set up right at the flat, uh, right at the foot of the flat above the record store. And instead of lemonade for 50 cents a cup, my box sign read. Bags of grass, 50 cents each. Wow. <laughs> and, well, I have to tell you, that business got shut down really quickly. I went literally out in the backyard and picked grass and put it in little sandwich baggies because that's what I thought was going to make me money. And this is just how innocent I was as an entrepreneur. And I was way before my time because that that's really flying right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's legalized. Yeah. Um, so you know my mind that's how it worked and and I, I just uh, saw recognize recognizing opportunities all the time to try and um, to make a dollar and that's uh, and solve problems so
1: and so you don't have any formal business uh, a business background so what were you doing before no. you started life squad
2: well I I did everything I I drove a tractor trailer truck oh. I got my AZ right. license um, I, I worked for the city of Toronto driving a garbage truck, which entailed also hauling 20 tons of garbage a day with my partner because I couldn't keep doing the long haul driving. I had had I had a young son and a, I was a single mother. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. got my aromatherapy certification, started a little aromatherapy p- business called New Dawn Aromatherapy. Didn't make much money at that. Not sitting around the time where um, the headlights thing happened mm-hmm. and I was on assistance and a single mom and that's, uh, when I started to pursue that, and I utilizing my aromatherapy skills and background to start out with uh, to help me create products that were going to, to remedy the situation. So that, that's how it started, and quite frankly, I got my business acumen through real-world education. Mm-hmm. I had to uh, learn as I went, and I had to make a lot of mistakes, the classic mistakes you mm-hmm. can't avoid if you do go through formal education or have you know, some business coaching and people guiding you, but that's okay. I mean, I learned the hard way, but I, at least I learned, and, and it worked out pretty well.
1: And yeah. how long ago did LifeSquad start? 2001.
0: Wow. And what were the lessons that you you learned? Like you said that you went through some yep. uh, pretty you learned the hard way. So can you elaborate mm-hmm. on that?
2: So first of all, first and foremost, uh, I had no business background education. I I'm, I'm creative. That's a, something I have going for me. And and you know, franchising is a, another uh, thing that Difficult in itself, and I had no formal franchising education when I decided to start franchising. So, I I made, like I said, a lot of mistakes, uh, classic mistakes, to get where I am today. But what that taught me is that anyone can do anything if they put their mind to it and they persist long and hard enough toward toward their goal, and hard work and um, and and it does pay off in the end. Mm-hmm. It just comes down to having a passion for what you're doing, believing in what you're doing, and never giving up, regardless of the mistakes or the the challenges that you face. Because it's easier, uh, you know, to give up than it is to go forward. However, you won't ever see the reward if you if you choose not to see things to their to the, to the end. So I'm glad I didn't give up. I should have. I could have. It was so hard. I must tell you, wearing all the hats in a business and trying to grow a business without any of that pre- previous education or support and literally with no money because I didn't have any money to start off with, um, was challenging. So I think that should I, inspire people that they anyone can do uh, what I did if they set their mind to it and they just never give up.
1: And going back to what you just said, I mean, before I started working at the CFA, I had never heard of LifeSquad.com myself and I feel like it's a very unique business model. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming you're one of the first on the market?
2: We were first, actually. I, I invented, sort of uh, created the industry. I, I was a pioneer of the industry. Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. nothing like this. There was no headlights franchise concept. I've, I've forged this um, out of you know um, out of from, uh, started from scratch I hate I hate using that pun but <laughs> that's what it comes down yeah. to you know there was a problem that needed to be solved I was the, the chosen one so to speak and mm. I started it from scratch and Now there are other uh, businesses and there's a lot of them all around the world that are helping people with this and I think it's a good thing because it proves there's an industry and it elevates us all and it helps people and at the end of the day I set out to help myself and now we're helping many others and we get a lot of gratitude for what we do and I know it doesn't sound like the most appealing or romantic type mm-hmm. of business to be in, it really is rewarding, and uh, I, and you can ask any of my franchisees or providers, they will tell you the same thing, people are so grateful for what we do, and that in itself is, is just as good as a paycheck for, for us some days.
1: Mm-hmm. And because you were the f- one of the first on the market, how did you know it would be successful? Because I know you, you said there were many times you could have given up. Um, mm-hmm. But and I would imagine it would have been easy to give up because you don't know whether it's going to be a success because you are the first. So right. wh- how did you know to keep going?
2: You know, there's something in your gut. When you you see it, you see an idea or you grab onto an idea, there's there's a deep uh, belief, and I had a gut feeling that this was something that had um, that had value, and I also just I I early on when I started, it was little to no marketing or money. I was getting, I was unable to meet my demand, well, myself in Toronto with a suitcase going from house to house on the TTC. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just couldn't keep up with that. And I just, I just kept going and people started coming to me and wanting to be involved and Mm -hmm. the customers kept calling. So I, I knew it was going to succeed. It was just, Uh, How was I going to manage that growth? And I chose to do a slower growth model because in this type of service industry, it's um, very time-consuming just to treat one person. Mm -hmm. So you have to really manage your your team to be able to accommodate those longer appointments. And so, yeah, I just, I I knew in my gut, I think. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's a problem that, not a problem, but everyone gets lice, right? So it is... It's not like it's a select few people who experience it. So the demand yeah, is there.
2: Well, definitely. I mean, it's a common human condition all around the world. Mm-hmm. It's the second most communicable affliction next to the common cold in children. Most people don't know that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's one of those things. Nobody wants to get it. No one likes to talk about it. But now people have somewhere to go for help that is, you know, safer for their families and just gives them that peace of mind and Life's hard
0: enough. You want walk around with bugs in your hair. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> and so, uh, with you have so many franchises now across Canada. Uh, so, what kind of qualities are you looking for in your franchisees?
2: Well, I, I want my franchisees to be able to resonate with our culture and our core values. You know, putting people first and and um, being helpful. Uh, we look obviously for the the marketing end and the business end you know they're going to work on the business not in the business because Mm -hmm. we would prefer they train people to do that actual work and they do the work of growing and running a business Mm
0: -hmm.
2: so it's a mix of it's a mix of personality and and ability um that we we kind of look for
0: Mm. and you offer uh, ongoing and initial training um,
2: yeah, we, ongoing, everything's ongoing. Things always change. Yeah. I'm very, as a creative person, I'm, I'm very innovative. I remain innovative and mm-hmm. you have to when you have competition. So there are, are always things improving and changing and, you know, our franchisees bring to us ideas which we implement. So there's always ongoing learning mm-hmm. and the initial training, obviously, to get them up and running.
0: Yeah. Okay. Can you tell us what the initial training kind of, what that process looks like?
2: Yeah, it's about it's a four day hands on. Well, first there's a all of their training is done online, so there's an online uh, training platform, which takes them through a series of videos and a series of uh, written materials, and then there's an the actual written test that needs to be executed. Once that's done and everything else is um, prepared, they come into the head office for um, hands on training, and that's a four day thing and then again after that they they start implementing their business and and we're always just a phone call or an email away for any troubleshooting that they need um as they're starting up and Mm -hmm. our franchisees are very independent um they're very um uh they they don't need a lot of of hand holding which is a good thing you 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 want that you want those types of people who take the reins and can Mm -hmm. really Take ownership and not have to be calling you every day to to get some help. So Mm. we're lucky in that way. We've got a lot of smart people on our bus.
0: Does this franchise attract certain people? I'm I'm assuming a lot of because, like the one the person I interviewed, she had uh, had lice as well. So I'm I'm just curious to know. if
2: It attracts mostly women, people in the nurturing field. It it, a lot of our franchisees have experienced it and or used our service, and that they saw the value in what we do there are some couples who purchase together families that do but I've never sold a franchise to an individual male it's always been a female Mm -hmm. or a couple Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah it's it's generally it's the female uh, purchaser that that gets involved in this business
1: can you talk a little bit about what a typical day looks like for a franchisee they do have their own Mm -hmm. clinics right so it's not mobile based
2: they do both. So okay. our full service model is over. Uh, our full service model is two hundred thousand households or more. Mm-hmm. That requires a clinic, and they will also still do mobile because you have to service schools, camps, daycares, and things like that. Right. Then there's the uh, express model, which is a hundred thousand households or under. Clinics are optional in those. And or they can just run them as a mobile service. And a typical day is basically uh, they'll get dispatched out um, via postal code. Uh, clients that are looking for help, they are taking those uh, emails or calls, and they're making their appointments, they're servicing their clients, they're you know, um, doing the, the day-to-day or having their staff do the day-to-day. Um, and in the background, then, you know, the franchisee is doing networking and marketing and mm-hmm. um, doing that stuff they need to do to, in the back end to build the business.
1: So would you say that franchisees, um, are they the ones um, helping to remove the lice and um, providing we the treatment? Pref-
2: yeah, no, we prefer they don't. Okay. They, I mean, they will. They have to know because they're going to have to train their staff. We prefer they don't because they need to be doing the back end business things to grow the business and get the business in the door. Business doesn't just walk through your door; mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to you have to go out and, and, and build awareness and uh, and and build engagement and network with your community. So that's what we prefer they be doing, and then um, have someone else do that day to day servicing.
0: Mm-hmm. And is there something that your franchisees, that you you find your franchisees typically underestimating about, that they underestimate about running a business, or do you prepare your franchisees, you think, pretty well for the realities of business ownership?
2: You do your best to prepare them for the reality of it. Um, A lot of people think they're buying a job, and they're not. They have (laughs) to build a business, and you have to let them know that just because they buy a franchise doesn't guarantee that they're going to be successful. Or that they're going to have the business that they're expecting to have without having to follow the marketing plan within the ops, ops manual or without doing the things that we're recommending that they do. Some people, you know, they have unrealistic expectations, and so we, we do our best to outline everything that they can expect in our disclosure documents and in. in once they've signed their operations manuals, what their steps are to, to get the most value and, and to build the most success.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is there, are there any things that you tell your prospective franchisees that they should know um, before they invest in a life squad? And if so, what are they?
2: Well, they have to do their due diligence, so mm-hmm. they need to take our disclosure documents and franchise contracts to a lawyer. to to vet and make sure that they're understanding what they're getting into, Mm -hmm. um, as well as, you know, uh, to an accountant, um, you know, if you want to talk to a franchise consultant or a business consultant to help you make a decision, we just don't want them rushing into buying a business because they, you know, they have this grand dream or desire, Mm -hmm. or it's just an them at the moment because they've just been through life and they see oh my god I just paid you you know four hundred dollars and now oh, I could be doing that right so mm-hmm. we we try to let them know that they need to take their due diligence they you know the 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 the, pre- the timeline is you know they have to wait fourteen days once we've disclosed them to be able to purchase we like them to take a bit more time mm-hmm. than that <laughs> to get their their due diligence done and to to make sure that this is indeed a good fit for them because I don't just want money from people. I need them to have an invested interest and a passion for the business and I need it to be a good fit for them and they have to understand what to expect. So if they're expecting to make $1.5 million a year picking life, they're, on the wrong, they're, in, they're, they're at the wrong door,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: This isn't that type of franchise. So they need to know what they're in for and what to expect, and they need to realize that it's hard work. It's not just I'm buying myself a job and everything's going to be rosy from here.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It, it is hard work to build a business, be it a franchise or any other business.
1: Have you had any cases where someone has invested or they were about to invest, and you knew right away was a red flag?
2: Not really. You know, I you know but we don't sell franchises to people that red. We find red flags, but we do have a qualification process. Like
1: mm-hmm.
2: a, uh, they have to go through various uh, steps and stages before we'd even entertain selling them one. Right. Now, sometimes you you can't see a lot of things coming because people's lives ebb and flow and. Someone could be fine one day and have a health problem or a divorce or something goes down Where it makes it very difficult for them to focus on their business and those are challenging situations for both The franchisor and the franchisee, but um, if we see red flags, or they're not being awarded a franchise
1: And what's the process like when someone initially comes to you so you get a lead? Um, mm-hmm. from then and if they're the right fit how long does it take for them to open up their franchise? Is there a certain time frame? Well, or is six, it...
2: Yeah, it's about a six to eight a week process with everything that's involved, and oh. I've kind of stepped back out of that because I have franchise development that does most of the, you know, the vetting and screening and the qualifying and then you know all of those things. But I can tell you, it is a six to eight, eight week onboarding process.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, so, why do you think? You know, franchising is so attractive to female uh, entrepreneurs. you have a lot of female franchisees. I'm just curious yeah. to know.
2: Uh, you know what? I, I think it's a natural collaboration thing. Women are really good communicators. We're good nurturers. Uh, we, we're collaborative. Um, we know how to work together. And I think it's just, um, it, I think that's a big part of it. And, you know, more and more women are, you seeing the value in uh, working together with other women and supporting each other we we all go through common challenges um, in life and so it's nice to have other women to talk to with respect to that and again this is not a franchise that attracts men only for the fact it's (laughs) It's it's headlight. And it actually is one of the most primal things uh, that can be done. It's very bonding, quite frankly. I mean, the monkeys do it, right? We're, Mm -hmm. you know, we're doing very primal work with people, so this is why you have that bonding, nurturing experience in in this business, which uh, women really gravitate toward.
0: Does the flexibility help, too? Because I know you were a single mother when you started, so... Mm -hmm.
2: And well, I mean, flexibility is what you make it. You can decide to work every day really hard or you can decide to delegate and, you know, carve out the lifestyle you want. It's just mm-hmm. an individual, uh, individual's um, preference, how they they consider flexibility or whatever, what kind of lifestyle that they're looking to create.
1: And I know that LifeSquad, um, your franchisees are pretty active in the community, talking to some of your franchise partners for past Franchise Canada articles, um, they've talked about how they, you know, go out to schools to educate people to actually conduct treatment for, uh, children. Can you Mm -hmm. talk about, um, why it's important for your franchise to give back in that way?
2: Well, we've always been a culture of, you know, putting people first and we... Have always from the very beginning been actively involved in our communities as corporate citizens via, via volunteering um providing education um doing charitable things um for our community so it's always for me like i, I believe you lead by example you have to walk the walk and mm-hmm. i've always done that from the very beginning and i you know i encourage my franchisees to be the same way because you have to be a part of your community and you have to give back to the community, the community that gives to you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's important to build that into your business practice because it's just the right thing to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think by the nature of the squad.com business model, it does just give back just by the nature of the service, right?
2: Yeah, man, we're picking bugs out of people's <laughs> <laughs> hair. That's, that's pretty cool man. yeah, yeah I mean, You're the
1: one with the bugs in your hair. <laughs> do, do you find that are are clients are is it mostly children or do you get all age groups?
2: All age groups. We've yeah. done little babies to grannies all the way up <laughs> to old age homes from nursery mm. from, you know, nursery school to old age homes. Wow. And, well, and they're done that. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Great. And uh so you know, you're very successful right now. You have a lot of franchisees as I mentioned before. Um I wanna know who helped you along the way. The good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> to be
2: honest. There we go. In the beginning I in the beginning I was I struggled. But you know, I will I will say, Nauta Saga Futures, um, those programs that they put on through uh, Nottawasaga Futures and, and through Chambers and Economic Development. Uh, there's a lot of good government programs that are running. Uh, I don't know what they're named now, but back then they were named Futures Programs. Things like that um, really helped me out in the very beginning because they they gave me free consultants and, and you know, uh, liaison me with people that, uh, that had skills that I lacked that could help me with certain things. So that was definitely um, Helpful, But what's been most helpful is when I was finally able to make enough money to bring people onto my team, it's those actual people that have, act- have brought the company to where it is today. I-, I really don't take credit for the success or even where I am at this stage because it is a direct result of those people that I eventually was able to bring onto the-, the superhero squad to, to basically yeah. help me in the areas where I was weak Mm-hmm. Um, as an entrepreneur and a visionary, you know, I'm the person who has the ideas and the passion and the vision, and I, I need other people to help me execute those things. And so I've been really fortunate to be able to build a really good team to help me with that, mm-hmm. and um, that's been my, my greatest asset.
1: And you just mentioned the superhero squad. I, mm-hmm. that's um, That superhero concept, that's part of your branding? Um, yeah. And I guess... How did you come up with that and why did you come up with that? Is it because, um, was it to focus on your a children-based clientele and kind of have that superhero aspect?
2: Yeah, well you know what, that's funny you say child because yeah. everybody, even adults love to be a superhero and yeah. it's really funny. The whole superhero thing is ageless and the reason that I, I made that core to my branding was because I wanted to break that stigma around life. I didn't want it to be medically medical or fearful or mm. any, anything like that. And we, we don't want people to feel bad or ashamed about having to deal with life. So the kids love the superhero thing. The parents love the superhero thing. Who doesn't love a superhero? Who doesn't want to be a superhero? <laughs> I still put capes on adult men. My mayor came to my <laughs> grand opening. Him and my MP and my MPP all had capes on. They turned into little children as soon as I put them on. Yeah. Like, they went from these uh, stout dignitaries <laughs> to I put these capes on as soon as they came in the door, and they looked like they were five years old again, and they loved it.
0: <laughs>
2: do the So, I mean, wear it's that? Just, it's just to try and lighten the mood and make people feel good.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Do your consultants wear that? Like, do the do they wear capes in the, the clinic
2: no the kids are the kids and
0: Just the clients the get
2: capes so when they're oh, being treated yeah. instead of we instead of putting on those you know those things hairdressers put around yeah. you when you're getting your hair done we literally put red superhero capes <laughs> on <them>. that's
0: awesome <laughs> that's really cute yeah what's the re- most rewarding part of being about being a business owner uh
2: lifestyle lifestyle and for me personally it's the ability of to be able to create opportunity for other people. I mean, I feel so privileged that I'm able to create a lifestyle for myself, but I can also uh, empower somebody else to have not just a job, but someone to actually start a business and provide an opportunity for the, for them to do that. And, and being able, able in, in and around all of that, to be able to help people with something most people cringe at and make people feel bad about, that we're able to help with help with that. So. That feels really good to me. And, again, it's uh, it's all about the people you surround yourself with and how you choose to run a business. You can either work in it, work on it, or, you know, um, have the lifestyle you want.
0: Well, is there a particular story? Can you share a particular story about someone that's benefited from com?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's... Uh, my most the ones i really appreciate are people that have come to canada from another country who are coming here really highly educated in their fields and very smart people very very well educated individuals and they they can't get work in their field and you know they end up driving an uber or doing some something that's not meaningful them to for them uh to just put bread on the table for their family Mm -hmm. and i'm going to cry because this is this is why I do this when you can give them an opportunity to start a business Mm -hmm. and do something that they love and that they can make the living at then Mm -hmm. it's like that to me is like that's my purpose Mm -hmm. and I just I've done that now for about seven people who've come from various places around the world that have um started working for me literally they they i been, employed them and they they saw the opportunity and decided that's where they want to to invest their, their money was to become part of the Life Squad uh, franchise family so mm. that's like totally meaningful to me
1: yeah. yeah and that's i think that's one of the great things about franchising is that you really are you're allowing people to, no matter where they are in the world where they're from to be successful being a small business owner, and I don't think you can find that anywhere yeah. else.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I remember interviewing one of your franchisees, and she was telling me how, like, this business kind of helped, because she doesn't have a background in business and stuff like that, it's been a lifelong dream, and she was yep. able to achieve her dream through this through this franchise, so it's really great what you're doing. Uh,
2: I, can't, I can't even say to you, like, how that, how much that means to me, because that's, I mean, that's so awesome to be
1: able to do for somebody um and that we're kind of uh, recording this interview at a timely time because it is international women's month um and you do your franchise is almost i'd say basically 100 percent female based um do you have any advice for women who are considering franchising as a career path
2: yeah, just pick something that you resonate with and that you you really are passionate about doing, um, and find that franchisor who who is not going to rush you into buying a business, but that really takes the time to help you make an informed decision, because you're putting your 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 you're investing not only your money but you're investing your your life into your your. Your passions and your purpose, and Mm -hmm. so find something that's along the lines of what you're passionate about, and and that has a purpose for you, that gives you meaning. You're not just flipping burgers for the sake Mm -hmm. of making a buck. You're you're doing something of value, of purpose, and um, yeah, that's very important because money is not be all and all of the of the world Mm -hmm. of life, Mm -hmm. and you have to find something that you are getting more than money from. And meaning is really important as as this purpose.
0: Well said. Yeah. So let's end on a fun note. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to play? On a fun note, I just actually wanted to say. Yes. Just like, okay, you have to go for
2: your, go with your gut. That's the other thing. Go with your gut. And 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 never stop pursuing what it is that you're trying to achieve. Because as I said, like uh, you can do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, I just wanted to say that I just our local chamber has an annual a woman's award that happens every year, and um, somebody nominated me for a Woman of the Year entrepreneur, and I, I actually Congrats. just won that last oh, week.
0: Awesome. And
2: and and in my acceptance speech, it, like I said to everybody. You know, I never ever thought I would be standing on this stage accepting such a prestigious award, but I know I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for all the people and all the other women that have helped me get here. And I was very clear to make sure that everyone knew that it wasn't my award, it was our award. Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, last year at um, the CFA's convention, you did win, yep. you won gold in your category. Um, and I, I remember last year you had you had brought some of your female franchisees and they were all at the table with you and you had a similar a similar message which I think kind of goes back to helping you know you are helping people pursue their dreams which empowering is them. about yeah empowering yeah. them and that's yeah. I mean that's great to see so I think that everyone everyone kind of sees that um, and that really kind of flowed out to everyone.
2: Yeah. yeah well we all help each other right at the end of the day mm-hmm. we we are really we all need to help each other we have to help elevate each other
0: and support each other because that's what that's what we should be doing
1: mm-hmm. yeah oh. for
0: sure awesome so would you like to play some franchise fun
2: No, oh, sure yeah, okay. <laughs> i didn't know this was coming i'm not
0: in a game show do i want it's, to try it's and the prize is fun the prize is fun okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. i love some fun Okay. <laughs> so we're going
1: to read you off some sentence starters, and then if you can
0: just fill in the blank. Okay. The most interesting thing I've done recently is... Oh
2: God, I can't even think straight. <laughs> the most interesting I've done recently is... I, I wrote a theme song for a new initiative I'm working on called... Canada's Top Mayor Award, which pits all of the mayors across Canada against each other in a friendly competition to win a whole bunch of money for their local charity, so the winning mayor gets the money. And I actually wrote a theme song and just finished recording it at a recording studio wow. with these amazing artists, like the, the lead guitarist from... Um, from, uh, what's his name, Burton Cummings' band, uh, the Guess Who, and wow. the beta, the bassist from the Platinum Blonde, uh, he was my co-songwriter, he did the uh, music to my lyrics, and we just finished recording it in the studio that recorded all of Russia's albums and the Bare Naked Ladies' albums and like all oh, these amazing wow. bands, and okay. I, that was the most interesting and fun experience <laughs> I've had in a long time.
1: Did you sing?
2: the theme song? I was, I'm was i the lead vocalist no on it. Way. Yeah. Oh,
1: cool. And what, what, can you tell us more about this initiative? Is this going to be a, like a TV show?
2: No, it's one of those things will munch to, but it <laughs> started out as a social enterprise and, and my third business because I have LifeSquad.com and then I started New Dawn Distributing, which was my way of distributing life uh, products um, and selling a subscription Um, training model for people in the U.S. because I didn't want to franchise into the States because it's very complicated and litigious and I thought I was getting people coming to me from the States going, I want to start a life business, can I buy a franchise? And I said, well, I thought it through and then I started New Dawn Distributing. So they get trained and pay me for this Moochie Method training and they sign a a subscription and then they get wholesale pricing and we provide them with products. But then I started this new business. I think I'm trying to kill myself. <laughs> uh, this started launched in February. Uh, we started planning it nine months ago. Canada's Top Mayor Award, and you can go to canadastopmayoraward.com to get uh, all of the details that you need. The nomination phase is open now. Uh, public voting will open in um, August, and then the um, award for the mayor will happen in the new year. So it's it's a whole year long initiative. And in case anyone's still listening to this podcast, finding this interesting, <laughs> we are actively fundraising, and all of the money that we're raising from corporate sponsorships will be going to the Winning Mayor's Charity or Community Improvement Project of Choice, which the mayors will be listing on the website once they've put their submissions in. Wow. We have, a, and then, So what happens after they've been nominated, they submit public votes. And then at the end of November, Mm -hmm. the top three mayors go on to a panel of celebrity judges who then do a scorecard and help determine who the top mayor is. And so far we've got Theo Fleury, a hockey player, a gold medalist, Olympian, uh, NHL Stanley Cup winner. He, um, Hazel McCallion, she's one of the longest running mayors in Canada. And Hazel's on our committee. We have um, Robert Laidlaw, Platinum Blonde, Honeymoon Sweet, Kim Mitchell. Uh, we have a really good, robust um, group of judges now, so you can just go to uh, CanadaTopMareAward.com and check it out.
1: That's awesome. I think that Hazel, I mean, she has to be the most credible person on that panel. She has the most experience.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's <laughs> a lot of different, uh, but we try to make the panel very diverse, yeah. so we're, we have three more seats to fill. We really want to have. Uh, I'm. I'm hoping Rick Mercer comes to sit and judge, but you never know what'll happen. I'm trying to. am trying to appeal to the great Canadians across the country who want to really elevate the the, the positivity in our political uh, sphere, you know, and, and help to uh, dispel all that negative Negativity and just really celebrate and appreciate the hard work that our elected officials do, especially mayors, because mm-hmm. on the grassroots level they're really helping build our great Canadian cities and it's really important that we we appreciate and acknowledge that and, you know, get the damn negativity out. Everyone's so negative now. It's time to do something positive to elevate the climate.
1: Yep, definitely. All right, the most important thing in life is...
2: Love. Oh. I know, it's such a corny answer. <laughs> <laughs> it is.
0: I love that answer. My favorite drink is... Tequila.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. If I could meet anyone, dead or alive.
0: Oh
2: God, John Lennon.
1: Oh,
0: okay. Cool. Favorite Beatles song? Imagine. Uh, no, they there have a movie coming out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know about. I, I want to watch it. it. Yeah. About the, the Beatles. About yeah. No, it's about this guy that forgets. The, oh, no, everyone forgets know who, the Beatles I you know who wrote
2: that song? I'm thinking, I watched a documentary the other day. Yoko Ono, I think, was hmm. very instrumental in a lot of the music that John Lennon had um, had uh, written, well, had taken credit for writing, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Did you say that? I don't know if I said that. Did I say that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> Crap, it's on the record. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, It's okay.
1: I don't think the Beatles would be, are like going to listen to this (laughs) podcast unless they're interested in franchising. (laughs) All right. Canadian franchising is?
2: Awesome.
1: The key to success is?
2: Hard work.
0: My personal motto is? Never give up. And finally, I'd like my friends to describe me as.
2: Oh, my friends to describe me as uh, helpful, I guess. I don't know. I You know what? I don't know. I never even thought i describe me. There's so much to describe. I, I can't, like, <laughs> there's so many things to say because I'm, I'm, like, all over the place. Like, one day I'm really... Funny the next day, I'm really empathetic. The next day, I'm very you know upset, and then one day I'm really happy. And let's well, just call it happy. I'll take that. Okay. Um, <laughs> to describe me as happy, and I want a second word: successful.
0: Got awesome. It.
2: All
1: right. Thanks well, you so much. I think that's the perfect way to end the podcast. <laughs> it is. Awesome. Well, that
0: was a great interview, ladies. Thanks, Thank Don. And
1: we'll see you at convention
0: in a few weeks. You betcha. All right. Take care. Thank you. Yeah. Take care. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. forget to subscribe to the Franchise Canada Chats podcast wherever you listen to podcasts for more head to franchisecanada.org